morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of my friends this morning. We've got Mr. Johnny Crypto, the Crypto Goliath, also known as Super G. Gonzo is joining us today. And today is a very exciting episode as we have a renowned hedge fund investor and longtime crypto educator, also the founder of Morgan Creek Digital Assets. Mark Yusko is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So we are very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Google is betting on digital development with over 10 figures invested in the past 12 months. We show our listeners how mainstream tech is investing in the blockchain. The Federal Reserve has printed over 50% of U.S. dollars in the past 24 months. We ask our special guest what effects this could have on both traditional and crypto assets. With interoperability set to take center stage, we expand the conversation, highlighting projects that may have more potential than Bitcoin and Ethereum. Skybridge Capital remains bullish on crypto, stating a $300,000 Bitcoin price target may come sooner than anticipated. As the Ethereum merge is launching next month, we break down why 2023 is the year of institutional adoption. With sentiment seemingly lower than ever among retail investors, we discuss what generational buying opportunities may exist in the market today. And we give our special guest the floor to inform as Mr. Yusko breaks down the momentum of this market from the perspective of an industry expert. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Mark, typically we start with Johnny Crypto, but I must go to you this morning, my friend. Thank you for making time for us today. Very excited for this episode. How are you feeling? No, feel, feeling good. Great to, great to be with you. I am a little intimidated, uh, you know, having the, uh, the, the, the lead intro guy nicknamed Abs, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can keep up with that. But uh, I, I know I'm excited to be here. I appreciate Johnny inviting me on and, and uh, excited to talk about all things crypto. Really excited for this episode. And they don't call me abs because of my physique. They actually can't pronounce my first name. My first name's Abdullah, so please don't be intimidated. But Gonzo, thank you for making time for us today. You kicked the Node Defender off the stream. You are now a special feature on these episodes. Of course, I'm kidding. He's behind the scenes. But how are you feeling today, Gonzo? I'm feeling great. And uh, Mark, let me just tell you something. He's lying to you. He's got abs, right? He's got way better abs than me, but... Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Just super, super excited to be here with Mark. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Awesome. And I want to say thank you to Johnny Crypto for getting this special guest today. Mr. Johnny Crypto, I know you got a story prepared for our listeners, but first, why don't you tell us how you're feeling this morning and what's on your mind, my friend? Abs, I'm always feeling great. It's so awesome to be on your rear deck enjoying this view. Thank you for letting me stay here. I appreciate it. Um, but uh, yeah, so first of all, we always say good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there today. Love you guys. You've shown up every day listening to the show. So thank you for being there. Great to see you, our brother Gonzo. But more importantly, super, super excited. You guys know how excited I am to have Mark on the show. Mark, thank you for coming on board. Um, I want to talk quick. I got a short story we're going to jump into, and then we'll get started um, about the power of manifestation. So, you know, as I was kind of getting into space and we were learning about crypto, I've been doing the same thing a lot of other people were watching YouTube videos, uh, doing uh, research online, things like that. And I stumbled across this video of three guys. You got Michael Saylor, which, you know, most people know him. You got Scaramucci, 
which I know him because I'm Italian. I love Italians, right? Of course, all my non-Italian friends remind me that he only lasted about seven minutes in office. They love throwing that. So thanks. Thanks, Mooch, for ruining that for Italians. And then there was this third guy, and he was just spitting truth bomb after truth. I'm like, hmm, who is this guy? Mark Yusko. Who's Mark Yusko? So I start Googling Mark Yusko, and I'm watching all these videos. And I'm watching all these Yusko videos. And I'll tell you what, man. <clears throat> Guys, you're going to see in a minute. Mark isn't afraid to tell it like it is. He spits the truth bombs out there. <clears throat> I love that about him. And so I said to Abs, we got to get him on the show. Now, thank God for social media, because back in my day, we didn't have cell phones. Like There was almost no way to get all we had. The closest thing we had to a cell phone was two cans and a string. And trust me, it actually worked. The problem is, Mark, you might have tried. You might have tried this too, <laughs> but it only worked as far as the string could go. But nonetheless, you know, thanks to social media, tweeted out to him. We got him out of Twitter Spaces, and then here we are. Lo and behold, we're here. But guys, I can't do it any justice, so we put a videotape together, just short, so you guys can get a little feel of what Mark is all about, and then we'll hop into it. So Mario, let's go ahead and play that beautiful videotape. Yeah, the Federal Reserve is neither federal, right? It's not. Yeah. Federal. It's not owned by the government. It's not a government agency. It has no full faith and credit. Why would a system where over a 30 year period, half of your purchasing power disappears? Why would that be good? Since 1913, the Fed was created to create inflation. CPI is kind of a silly number. It's massively lagging. It really doesn't have anything to do with reality. From 1776 to 1913, a dollar was worth a dollar. Right. Why is it called a dollar? We stole it from the Rothschilds. In yeah. Housing prices over the last year went up 40%, four zero in one year. Did my house get bigger? Did it grow? Did it get more efficient? Did it somehow get better? No, so it actually- I paid $4.99 for a gallon the other day versus 33 when I got my license. It's the same gallon of gas. <laughs> it well, it's not that the gas is better. It's that the dollar got worse. Here's the, the whole economy's collapse. If you try to take that funny money, because it really is funny money. I mean, it's money created out of thin air. This front, three and a half trillion dollars with a T, trillion, three and a half trillion of wealth went from the average person to the elite class. I mean, I don't know how to say any better than that, guys. He saw it right from the horse. Well, Mark, I love you. I appreciate your honesty, your truth. That's why we wanted to have you on the show. No, thank you. Thank you for so, having me, and thanks for putting that together. And I guess two things. One, I, I, I do own more than one shirt, so I, I am wearing the same pink shirt. And, and I wear the pink shirt every Wednesday for Wear Pink Wednesday for brain tumor awareness, uh, just if anyone cares. Um, and then I had my free guy uh, shirt on with the the, the blue uh, with the khakis. So, uh, that's, that's my uniform these days. That's awesome. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I get awesome. so This is why I call him the great one. Cause he comes out, you heard truth, Bob's like you haven't heard before guys. It's so refreshing Mark to see that. And abs, go ahead. The floor is yours. Awesome guys. We're going to do a quick rundown of the market and then get into our Q and a with Mark. And this is a very exciting day, but first we're going to show you guys our good morning crypto Twitter account at free TGM crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single one of us go smash that follow button. We love interacting with you guys. The Bitcoin fear and greed index. We're still fluctuating in moderate fear this morning, sitting at a 41 Johnny crypto. Typically you address this, but I feel that we should get right into the total market cap this morning. We're sitting at 1.15 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is just below 20%. 
We've got Bitcoin sitting at $23,300. Ethereum is $1,800. XRP is $0.37. Cents. Cardano is $0.53. Cents. Kronos is $0.14. Cents. Algorand, $0.34. Cents. VeChain is $0.03. Cents. Hedera is $0.07. Cents. And Quant is $110 this morning. I'm going to go right back to Mark because I'm really interested to hear your opinion on the bear market in particular. I'm not going to ask you to dive into any individual cryptocurrency, but I've heard that you've called for a market bottom. So what are you approaching over these next six months? Yeah, so one, crypto winter is over. So crypto winter ended June 14th uh, this year. So we are in crypto spring. Now, there's four seasons, right, of crypto, and it's, it's all based around the Bitcoin halving cycle and all the other digital assets follow that cycle. It's one of the most genius things ever created in, in code. And, and, and that's a big statement. And look, I'm prone to hyperbole. Okay, so you got to get used to that. Um, but this actually isn't hyperbole. You think about what they did with the halving. So every four years, you cut the number of block rewards in half. Why does that matter? Well, it is basically a number go up system. Well, why does that matter? Well, if you want to get people's attention, things have to move. Now, it's sexist, and you're not supposed to say it, but the non-politically correct, but it's like guys, right? If it ain't moving, we don't see it. My <laughs> wife says, go get the ketchup. I open the door. Honey, there's no ketchup. She walks up, grabs the ketchup bottle. It doesn't move in, so I can't see it. So that, that's just the way it is. And so every four years, you cut the number of block rewards, but the miner's electricity cost is fixed. So unless the price rises, they go out of business. So the price is a built-in rise. And then as it starts to rise, right, as we get back toward fair value, then the traders come in. Then the speculators come in. Unfortunately, in crypto summer, the gamblers come in. And that's where we get this parabolic blow off top, and then we get a crash. And so that takes us back to winter. And so this, this natural cleansing, winter's good. It gets rid of all the bad projects. It gets rid of all the leverage. We had way too much leverage in this cycle. And that got cleansed and it got wiped out with the three arrows capital liquidation. And so on June 14th, you know, we had that wick down to 17.5 in Bitcoin and everything else followed. That was it. And now we've had a series of higher lows and higher highs. We're in an accumulative process. And that means we're going to have, we're still going to have volatility because all volatility is, is disagreement over future prospects of anything right? None of us know for certain what any of these projects are going to be, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's Algorand, whether it's XRP. We don't know with certainty. So because we don't know with certainty, some people are going to be bullish, some people are going to be bearish. That's what creates markets. And so that's a long-winded way of saying winter's over, spring has sprung. It doesn't mean straight up. It doesn't mean parabolic up. More likely, it means a drifting up with volatility until we get to summer, crypto summer, usually nine months ahead of the halving. And then we can get to the next parabolic move because of greed and fear. You showed the greed and fear index. Well, what happens, right? Bitcoin and other assets follow Metcalf's law, right? We can actually determine the value of any network. Apple is a network. Amazon is a network. Meta is a network. Bitcoin is a network, Ethereum is a network, XRP, all of them are networks. They all follow Metcalf's law. So we can model with pretty good certainty what the value of a network is. But that's not the price. The price, price is a liar. 
price is just what two people agree to exchange a small amount of good or service. So that price can differ from fair value. Look at stock market. The stock market today, total stock market, is way overvalued, right? The fair value is about 50% lower than where we are. Despite the correction, okay, we're still 50% to get to fair value. But we don't spend much time at fair value. We're either way above fair value greed or way below fair value fear. You know, stocks should rise over the long term, about 6%, because they pay dividends and there's growth. Same thing with crypto. Let's take Bitcoin. Bitcoin's value today, fair value, 32, 33K. Where does that come from? N squared crypto, Tim Peterson, great Metcalf's law model with the right decay curve, uh, I mean, decay factor. But we're well below that. We were well above that. Well, how do we get way above that? Well, when we got to fair value back at, at you know, 28, 29,000 last year, we started to go through it. Then the speculators came in. Then the degenerate gamblers came in, the people with leverage. That pushed it to 69. And then it collapses. And why did it collapse? It collapsed because of BlackRock and all the banksters and futures. Right? If you look at the peak of the market, it was six days after the launch of the Bitcoin futures ETF. Why does that matter? It's the same reason. And Abs, you have that, that chart of, of that, that tweet about gold. Yeah, I'll that pull up? that up right now. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing about gold. Let's get to it. So read this out and, and, and let's talk about this. Meanwhile, gold is minus 53% in terms of inflation included. So I don't want to butcher this. Basically, what this is saying is that gold, if you include inflation, is down minus 53% over the past 11 years. And they're comparing that to Bitcoin, which is up over 210%. Briefly before the episode, we discussed this, uh, Mark, and we said that it's not really fair to compare Bitcoin to gold because it's such a new asset. But gold hasn't held its value over time. And me and Johnny have always debated. No, it's 100%. It's absolutely essential to compare Bitcoin to gold because Bitcoin is digital gold. Why? Gold is money. It's the only money in the world. There's no other money in the world. What is money? Money is an asset that exists in the absence of a liability. Everything else is currency or credit. It's backed by debt. Dollars are not money. They're currency. Yen, currency. Renminbi, currency. The only asset in the whole world that exists in the absence of a liability is gold. And for 5,000 years, it has been money. One ounce buys a fine person suit. No one wears suits anymore. But if you did want to wear a suit, you would go to Savile Row. You put down 1800 bucks and you'd get a suit. Great. In Cleopatra's times, one ounce of gold, fine person suit, right? And in, you know, zoot suit in the 20s, same thing. So gold has been the perfect currency. But the problem with gold, I'm a big movie guy. Anyone seen the movie Night's Tale? Right. Awesome movie. Heath Ledger jousting. Yeah. Oh, abs. You got to watch it this week. It's Great. amazing movie. I've seen it 50 times. Love this movie. And but he wins his first tournament and he gets this gold horse. Right. As, as a prize. And he's got to bail out his his page, Chaucer, who's, you know, lost a bunch of money gambling. And he literally bangs the thing off, breaks off a leg and says, go do what you do with this. That's a really bad way to divide gold. If I want to send you gold, if I had a gold bar here and I want to send you each 25% of it, how would I do that? I can't bang it on the table and break it into four pieces. That's not going to happen. I can't send it through my computer. 
it's just a crappy way to, to have money, but it has been money for 5,000 years. Bitcoin comes along. It's as scarce as gold based on stock to flow. And that is a real concept, the model problems, but the, the concept is real. And so scarcity creates value. You know, you, you quoted at the beginning that the Fed, right? And you, I, I have strong views on the Fed, ETF. ETF doesn't stand for you know, electronic funds. It's end the Fed. <laughs> the Fed is a horrible institution. It was designed to steal wealth from us and give it to them. That's what it was designed to do. That's why the all-seeing eye is a pyramid. It all goes to the top. The Fed was created by the rich people, right? The Rothschilds in cahoots with J.P. Morgan and John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller's father was a very powerful senator named Amory Aldrich. And the Aldrich plan was created to create the Fed, which was modeled on the Bank of England, which was created by the Rothschild clan that was modeled on the Netherlands Central Bank from 1607 that the original Rothschild clan founded, that they used to finance their wars. Central banking has existed for hundreds of years to steal wealth from the masses and give it to the few. So the Fed did the same thing. So what did the Fed do? The Fed has created money out of thin air, devaluing everything that we care about, right? I use the example of gas. I paid 33 cents when I was growing up. You guys are young, I'm old, okay, white hair. 33 cents for a gallon of gas. Paid over $5 for a gallon the other day. Same gallon, does the same thing, same amount of heat in the engine. It's actually a little less because it's got ethanol. It's not because the gas is better, it's because the dollar's worse. And you know, Jay Leno, you know, the comedian, again, you guys don't know who that is, but you know, old guys like us know Jay Leno. And I'm just kidding. And um, you know, Jay Leno had this thing. He's like, I heard they were going to make a dollar coin. Well, they already have. It's called a nickel. And that's what a dollar's worth. In 1920, you could buy 20 Snickers bars for a dollar. 20. Today, you can get about half of a Snickers bar. So it's that devaluation of the currency, but it happens slowly. It's like boiling a frog, right? If you turn up the heat and you drop a frog in, it jumps out. If you put him in and turn up the heat slowly, ah, oh, this is awesome. And then when it gets so hot, he wants to jump out, he's paralyzed. And that's what we all are. We're all paralyzed in this state of dependency on the overlords, you know, the WEF and and then the governments to you know, Johnny, uh, not Johnny, um, am I blanking on his name? Um, the guy who wears the cowboy hat, um, Jimmy Song. Jimmy oh. talks about this all the time, right? If you live in a fiat world, you're a slave. Again, not politically correct to use that word, but we are, we are all slaves if we are paid in fiat, which then can be devalued away from us. And CBDCs are, are like evil incarnate. I mean, they take fiat and, and weaponize it. I mean, and if you haven't seen the two minutes from Augustine, whatever his name is, the guy from BIS, you know, Jabba, I used to call him Jabba the Hutt. I realized, no, he looks like Kingpin from the, the meta, uh, not the metaverse, but the, the multiverse uh, Spider-Man movie. But he looks like Kingpin. This guy's like 400 pounds and he's just, he's got this giant head and he's saying, well, of course, we should control the money. Of course, we should be able to determine if you don't spend your money by Friday, we can take it away. 
of course, we should be able to turn off or on where you spend it. Imagine this. Imagine you get paid on Friday. You have a couple cocktails. You drunk tweet about the president. You wake up and your money's worth 80 cents on the dollar. What the fuck? Well, well what? Progr- programmable money, which is coming. So CBDC is. CBDC is. That's happening. So anyway. Mark, if I could just jump right in here, I have a brief comment. I'm going to kick it right to you, Gonzo, about what's happening in China today. We've already seen them incorporate a social credit score. And when they locked people down several months ago, they were using facial recognition technology to automatically dox a CBDC account. You wouldn't even be. So let's say I went to the grocery store at an unregistered time. I'd get back to my house and I just wouldn't have access. Nobody communicated with me. It's immediate. It's shut down. And I think that's exactly what you're referring to. So I want to give you the floor again. Isn't it? Isn't it? Guilty until, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, not, not guilty on, on the spot. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, there's that big movement to have the red light cameras or the speeding cameras. And then people are like, oh, that's not really constitutional because you didn't, it could be wrong. It could be programmed to show me speeding. Now, I probably was speeding. I speed all the time. And I, I just, you know, whenever I get a ticket, it's just a cost of doing business. Um, and thankfully I don't live in a place like, I don't remember which country it was in the Nordics. Cause it, it makes no sense that everyone pays the same speeding ticket, right? So someone making minimum wage gets a $200 speeding ticket. That's different than someone making 200 grand a year. So in, I think it was Sweden. If you get a speeding ticket, it's a percentage of your income. And this dude had to pay like a $270,000 speeding ticket, which I'm like, Ooh, you would not speed if that happened. So, um, I lost my train of thought, but no, that's okay. I know Gonzo did have a question. So Gonzo, if you want to have your follow-up, floor is yours. Yeah, no, I was just going to add about the CBDCs because, you know, we talk about them a lot and, and not as a good thing, right? Um, but do you think that, because um, we think it's something that's inevitable, that's the way we talk about, but do you think that there's something that the that the people can do that, you know, our listeners, is there something they can do to either slow it down or counter it? No, oh, you know? great question, Gonzo. And no, but you can opt out, right? Not with all your wealth, right? And, and, and people say, oh, sorry. Mark, you piss on America. I'm like, I'm not pissing on America. I'm pissing on the government, but not pissing on America. I love America. I still live here for now and, and I'm not going anywhere. So I spend in fiat, unfortunately, but I do have a portion of my wealth that I opted out of that system. CBDCs are coming. They're coming. It's already happening in China. As, as Abs was saying, it's, it's tied to your social credit score. It's tied to this facial recognition. You know, they have this zero COVID policy, which is complete nonsense. And it goes back to WEF and, and this whole thing about, you know, depopulation and all kinds of sinister crap. But this, this idea that you have a time when you can leave your house. That's, that's a gulag. That's a, that's a prison state. Okay, so you have a time. And if you violate that, like you say, your, your money doesn't work or like your Tesla won't start or, you know, not Tesla over there. They have Neos and, and other cars, but, but imagine that, right? You do something wrong and the facial recognition gets you and, and you know, your, your car won't start or your, your bank account doesn't work. And so CBDC is simply programmable money. And like the genius of, of blockchain and, and Bitcoin in particular was this idea of solving the double spend problem of enabling a, a monetary unit to exist in truth, right? For years, we needed trust, right? I lent Johnny 100 bucks and I wrote down 
secretly that he lent that I lent him 200. So he comes back with the 100 plus 10% interest. Says, all right, we're, I'm like, no, Johnny, you owe me 200. No, I only borrowed 100. Ledger says 200 and he had to trust me. Okay. And I was an unscrupulous guy. So he's screwed. So then they're like, the Medici's, the benevolent Medici's, right? Not so benevolent. The Medici's came along and said, no, Johnny, you write down a number, Mark, write down a number. And then we, for a small fee, will determine which number's right. Okay. And for 800 years, the banking cabal has made a lot of money determining trust as that third party trust. Right. Well, now we don't need them. Now, if, because now if I want to send Johnny money, he has to have a bank account. I have to have a bank account. I send him money. The bank charges a fee. Maybe they let him get access to the money. Maybe they put a seven day hold on it. Like the first time I tried to buy Bitcoin, they put a 14 day hold on my money at Bank of America. Like, why? Didn't you read the fine print? We can. I'm like, well, I know you can, but it's my money. Oh, you think it's your money. Actually, it says right here, it's, it's our money. It shows up on our balance sheet. You have an IOU. And yes, that IOU is good 99% of the time, but we could actually determine at our discretion that you have no money. How's that work? So how you do is you, you opt out, Gonzo. You take a piece into a self-sovereign state and it's out of their grasp. And the thing about Bitcoin and, and proof of work that is so beautiful and there are other things that are good too, but, but the thing is so beautiful about proof of work and, and Bitcoin is it's a deflationary asset, right? There's a finite amount, can never be changed. And people say, no, it could be changed. Mm -mm. Because here's the thing that I love about this. And this is why I don't believe Satoshi was one person because the genius of the design is so amazing. It's like 51% of tax. There will never be one. There will never be one. Everyone says, oh, about quantum, 51%. Nope. The moment you did a 51% attack, what happens? Price goes to zero. So all that money you spent to do a 51% attack makes the asset worthless. So you'll never do one. And so there's all of these built-in elements like the 21% cap. I mean, 21 million cap. It exists for a reason. Now, this is cool too. So everybody knows Satoshi Nakamoto's birthday is 4575, right? 45 in 1933 was when uh, Executive Order 6102 went in and made gold illegal, okay? Then in 1975, they reversed it and made it legal again. And this, this young girl, that's this daughter of this uh, Twitter friend of mine um, said, well, mom, 6102, 21 million was, 21 was six zeros is 21 million. That's where 21 million came from. Like mind blown. Like, I think that's probably right. And so, so, but, but that fixed supply means that as demand rises, as we follow that Metcalf's law curve, the price has to rise. And everybody's like, no, that's, that's not how it works. I'm like, no, that's exactly how it works. As a network grows, and it doesn't grow linearly, and we've talked about this offline a little bit, the average person is bad at math. And I, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but the average person is just bad at math. And what we're really bad at is exponential math. And I use the example of, you know, a piece of paper, right? Fold a piece of paper, fold it seven times. I defy you to try to fold it an eighth. And it was, I could fold it eight times. Go for it. Try it. Take a piece of paper, try to fold it eight times. Can't do it. 
if you could actually fold it 20 times, it's as high as your house. If you could do it 30, it's the atmosphere. 50 is the sun. And 100 is the known universe. What are you talking about, right? If I take 20 linear steps, I'm on the other side of my office. 20 exponential steps, I'm around the world twice. Twice. So exponential is, is amazing. And that's why networks are so valuable. The most valuable assets in the world today are networks. Amazon, not a company, network. They don't make anything. They're a search engine that matches buyers and sellers. Apple, they make stuff, but they're really a network, right? The value of one of these, zero. The value of 20 billion connected, very, very high. It's the network effect. And the same thing with Bitcoin, Ethereum, any digital asset that has a network effect, that's where all the value comes from. So that actually so I answered a whole perfect. bunch of questions, Donzo, that you didn't ask, but um, the CBDC thing. No, that was that really, was awesome, Mark. Like, I'm, No, it's really, really bad because right? yeah. what can the average person do to protect ourselves? Not a lot, right? Governments have amazing power and we give them power, right? I mean, in theory. Now, not, not, not really, but but in theory, we do. We, we vote the politicians in and then they take away our rights one by one by, you know. And so, but with money, now we can protect ourselves. In the past, you protect yourself with gold. And literally people put gold in a vault and they protected it. And, but it wasn't very portable. It wasn't very divisible. It, it very, wasn't very useful, right? I can't cram it in my computer and send it to you. Now, you know, all the gold in the world fits in two Olympic-sized swimming pools, about as big as my office. Not, not my single office, but my office space, okay? All the Bitcoin in the world fits right here. Now, I don't have it all. I don't have any on my phone. Don't hack me. I've been SIM-swapped twice. They didn't steal anything. I don't keep it on my phone. I keep it in cold storage. Just leave me alone. But, and bare assets have personal security risks, which we can talk about in another topic. But the reality is, Bitcoin is a better solution for storing value and wealth, but there are other things that are coming that also have value and are going to disrupt. And I know you guys are all part of this, this army that, that believes this. And, and I, and I hope some of it you know, comes, comes to fruition, which is we're going to do to financial services, right? Through blockchain technology. What, the internet did to media and commerce, right? Old internet company, I mean, old media companies, ABC, NBC, CBS, used to have all the market cap. Now they got none. Where'd it all go? Netflix. And big commerce companies had huge market caps. Where'd it all go? Amazon, right? Amazon Roadkill was actually a thesis. You go long Amazon and short the traditional retailers. So the same thing's gonna happen in financial services and they're gonna fight. And, and I've been talking about this for a while. The reason right now for the past year has sucked, technical term, is we're in the then they fight you phase. So from 2009 to 15 was the first they ignore you phase, right? The famous Gandhi quote that Gandhi didn't say, but everyone thinks he did. Uh, I wish I remember the guy who actually said it, but a um, bunch of nerds and geeks with your funny magic internet money, who cares? You know, ignore you. Then from 16 to 21, then they laugh at you. Ah, bunch of nerds and geeks and your YouTube shows and stupid, right? Magic internet money. 22 to 27, unfortunately, is then they fight you phase. But the good news, you know, the fourth line in the, in the thing is then you win. Well, no, no, we've already won. Anyone who believes in these 
assets, these digital assets, have already won. And yes, the fight is going to suck. And the regulations come in and the, the theft and the taxation and, and the making it illegal. And, you know, this idea that they went after, you know, the... Um, the Ripple? Uh, no, the, no, well, Ripple too. But, but no, the, the tornado cash. They arrested a coder? Are you, are you serious? Are you, are you absolutely serious for writing open source code? That's speech. That's protected. That's a Second Amendment right. No, First Amendment. I'm sorry. First Amendment right. That, that, that is a right. We are on very dangerous ground. And so, and, and their point was, well, it's used for money laundering. Oh, okay. You mean different than Deutsche Bank has been used for money? Deutsche Bank has paid $30 billion in fines admitting money laundering. Like, yes, we did it. It's like the price of gold. You, you made the thing about gold. Gold has been flat for a long time. Why? Because JP Morgan keeps it flat. Why does JP Morgan keep it flat? Because gold rising makes people realize the theft that's happening in fiat. And so you spoof the price of gold through the futures market because in the futures market, I can create a paper asset oil, gold, wheat, whatever. In the old days, I want to sell Gonzo a barrel of oil. I actually had to have a barrel of oil to give to Gonzo. Now I can just write a contract in the futures market and say, yeah, Gonzo, I'll give you a barrel of oil, wink, wink, but you just give me some money and, and then we cancel the contract right before I have to deliver. So I never have to get the oil. And so what happens is you get these crazy spikes up in the speculative boom when people are writing contracts. But then we get a crash and we've seen that in the oil market. We've seen it in the wheat market. We've seen it in the crypto market, right? 2018, I mean, 2017. The day, the day that they approved the Bitcoin future was the day of the peak in 2017 at 20,000. And we went down to 3,200. Six days to the peak in 2020, 2021, sorry, 2021, was the release of Bitcoin futures ETF. Why? Because BlackRock and all these others went massive short Bitcoin to push the price down. Why? So they could buy it in. Right? I, I'm, I'm an old Wall Street guy. That's what we do, right? If you want to buy something, you don't go announce to everybody that you love it. George Soros, Julian Robertson, oldest trick in the book. Let's get long copper. Okay, go sell 50,000 short copper. Tell everyone we hate copper. Push the price down and then we buy it in, right? It's like the movie Trading Places, right? It's, and, and the fact that the people don't see it, it's like everyone's applying for the Bitcoin ETF, the spot ETF. Zero chance. BlackRock will have the first spot Bitcoin ETF. Guarantee it. I guarantee that that's going to happen. Why? Because they're part of the cabal. They're part of the organization that runs everything. And they get it that this is coming, right? This is inevitable. This is as inevitable as any innovation. Let, let's take, um, you know, uh, the horse's carriage. You guys heard the term red flag, you know, red flagging? Yep. You know where it came from, right? Literally, it came from horseless carriage was created. The horse and buggy people didn't like it. The buggy whip manufacturers didn't like it. So what they do? They lobbied 
mean paid the government in New York to pass a law called the red flag law, where you, if you had a car, you had to hire someone to walk in front of the car with a red flag so you make sure you know we would run into you. Anyone seen any red flaggers in, <laughs> in the streets these days? No. And the same thing when the internet was created, you know, Al Gore, you know, he created the internet. No, no, no. Al Gore did not create the internet. Tim Berners-Lee created the internet. But Al Gore was really important. Why? Because when the internet was created, the telephone companies were like, what the hell? Voice over IP? You want to give away long distance? No, 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 no. We love the fact that Mark calls his girlfriend in Texas. Hey, how you doing? What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. What do you want to do on Friday? Nothing. Okay. Two hours later, my mom gets a bill for $240, not making that number up in 1980s. That was a lot of money. The companies love that. So they tried to pass a law to make voice over IP illegal. And Al Gore actually stopped that. So that's actually a good thing. And the same thing's happening now. They're going to try to regulate the on-ramps and the off-ramps. They're going to try to regulate how we you know, think about moving some of our assets back to Gonzo's question. How do we protect ourselves? We opt out some of our wealth. Again, not all of it, because we still have to function in society. But we opt out some of it in a place where it can be protected from the ravages of inflation. That's amazing. Thank you, Mark. That was so much amazing information in that short clip. We got 233 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're enjoying this content, we have Mark Yusko in the building, so we're going to continue bringing it for you guys. But I do have a follow-up question because we continue to talk about central bank digital currencies and how it's an inevitable evolution of our financial system. You said one of the things people can do is opt out. What we've suggested on our channel is maybe we can identify some of the currencies that are going to be the rails that the CBDCs are going to be transferred on and actually profit off of that how do you feel about that game? We're going to talk about ISO compliant tokens as well, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Look, uh, genius, right? And, you know, infrastructure is how you, you make the most money. You know, the first millionaire in the gold rush was not a gold miner, right? It was Sam Brannan. Sam Brannan owned the general store in Yerba Buena back before it was called San Francisco. And he literally bought every pot pan and shovel in, in town and ran down the street yelling, there's gold in the American river. And then he sold the miners all the stuff. Uh, and he was the first millionaire in California. And that same thing is true here. It's like, you know, we run venture capital funds and we invest in infrastructure. So we like to own exchanges and software and tools. And, and the rails, as you describe, that will be used to build out these things. And look, the pure evil is coming. That's fine. Um, well, it's not fine, but but it's inevitable. And so we might as well profit from how they do it. You know, in, in many ways, it's it's like anything. If, if you think about any technological innovation, it's facilitated by infrastructure. You know, whether it was, you know, the, the transcontinental railroad, right? How'd you make the money? Well, own the people that sold the the steel and the, the, you know, the, the, um, the hammers and the machines to make the railroad. The railroads were a pretty good investment for a while and then they were overbuilt and they collapsed. Same thing with the internet, interstate highway system, you know, aggregates and materials and all the infrastructure that went in uh, to building that. And I think the same thing's true here. So uh, I think that's a great idea. Awesome. Johnny Crypto, I want to give you a chance to ask a question. If not, I do have something prepared, but the floor is yours, my friend. 
Yeah, so no, I think that when you think about, as we know what's coming, right, the best way to protect ourselves is invest in those rails. As Mark said, we talk about that all the time. We think about those rails to be able to, you know, if they're going to build the system, you might as well try to create that generation of wealth for your families in that process. Um, Mark, when you think about some of the areas where um, that are coming, so we've got DeFi, we've got uh, metaverses, we've got uh, uh, tokenizations, NFTs of, of the stock market. Where do you see one of the key, what, where are the areas where you would say you'd look at for that potential where folks should look into trying to, you know, invest in the system? Yeah. So it's, it's a really great question. And one of the things I, I, I say a lot is, is questions are better than answers. I'm full of answers. I like to talk, you know, my mom, she, you know, her nickname was Yak Yak Face. She could talk to anyone, anytime, anywhere about anything. So, so I, I got that. And, and you know, my, my wife's only seen me talk once. She came to a conference out in Vegas. And at the end of the talk, she said, Mark, you can't say things like that. I'm like, like what, what did I say? She says, no, no, you say things so forcefully. I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? She says, well, people will believe you. I'm like, well, that's the whole idea. She says, well, what if you're wrong? I'm like, I'm wrong all the time. I just changed my mind. So the, the key is that um, there are a lot of things that we want to invest in and, and we should have invested up to this point. I mean, Bitcoin's a great example. Bitcoin is an amazing asset. It's digital gold. I actually believe it will be one of the payment rails for the future of finance and that Visa and MasterCard and all those things, you know, on top of lightning and layer threes and layer fours. So I believe that. Now, the $64 trillion question is, is we do have a single chain world on Bitcoin and lightning, or do we have a multi-chain world where there's Ethereum and Solana and Avalanche and, and others? No one knows for sure. I probably lean more multi-chain than single chain, but you know, there, there are some arguments why a single chain would be better, but, but that hasn't been decided. So, but I look at Bitcoin here and as much as I love it, right? And I, and I do love it. The upside from here, you know, is, is good, but maybe not as great, well, clearly not as great as it was, right? The law of large numbers. And what do I mean by that? So if you think about, Bitcoin, what, what is it, right? It's money, it's digital gold. Well, gold, gold is, everyone throws a number 10 trillion. That's kind of true, but it, half of that is jewelry, chalices, you know, gold plating on the dome at Notre Dame where I went. You, know, you can see the picture behind me. Um, only half is the monetary value. So 5 trillion, 5 trillion, okay, divided by, you know, pick 20, 20 plus million, you know, with lost and stolen, all that good stuff. So, you know, we can get to a value of 250K, you know, right around Mooch's 300K number. Easy, right? That's, that's easy. That's definitely going to happen. That's a 10-bagger. Okay. I, I like 10-baggers. They're good. But the next move, okay, to go to 100 trillion, right? Which is kind of global money supply. Everybody says, well, it's going to be the world reserve currency. It's possible. More likely the next world reserve currency is, is the renminbi, right? So world reserve currencies last about 75-ish years. They've been happening since the 1400s. It was dictated by the most powerful navy. So the first was Portugal, then Spain, then France, then the Netherlands, then the UK, then America. 
I think China's next. Well, China's not the most powerful Navy. Well, now it's not about navies. China figured out 10 years ago that the next war will be fought with chips, not ships. It's not a kinetic war. It's a cyber war. And so they are the world leaders in AI and 5G by far. And it's not close. Um, and so I think they have technological superiority going forward. And I do think the renminbi will eventually ascend and the dollar will, will fall. And I think it's already happening. And, you know, the whole thing about, you know, we sanctioned Russia and the ruble appreciated. How did that happen? Well, because China said, hey, we'll buy your oil and we'll buy it direct using rubles and, and renminbi and screw the dollar. Well, the petrodollar system is why the U.S. has had the hegemonic rule since 1944. So that so Bitcoin as, as a use case of total monetary system and Murray Stahl, who if you ever had a chance to have Murray Stahl on the show, the guy's amazing. He makes me look bearish. Write it down, Johnny. Write it down. About the Bitcoin ecosystem. He's an old, another old guy like me that was early to the game. And he's one of the biggest miners in the country. He runs a firm called Horizon Kinetics, $6 billion of assets. And he's, he's amazing. And he makes me look bearish because he gives a very elegant explanation of why 100% absolutely Bitcoin will be the world's reserve currency. Topic for another day. Then you go to Ethereum. All right. Ethereum could be one of the stacks. So I think about the internet stack. There are five protocols that we use every day. There's TCP IP, which we're using right now to communicate. Okay. That's the base layer. There's FTP to move files. There's HTTP for websites, SMTP for emails, and www. That ties it all together. Okay. Single stack, five protocols. There used to be 80 protocols. Today, there's five. Today, Bitcoin, clearly the base layer, clearly the most powerful, the most secure, awesome. Okay, what about Filecoin? Filecoin can move files. That's interesting. Maybe it, maybe it does that. Then what about Ethereum? It's like www. It's like a toolkit. You can do a lot of stuff with it. Well, then what about the middle? Well, we got Cosmos, we got Polkadot, we got Solana, we got Avalanche, all competing to be that SMTP, HTTP. I don't know who wins. We'll, we'll find out. Or we can have a multi-chain world where there's different stacks. Again, don't, don't have the answer, just have the question. Oh, that was my point, is questions are more important than answers. So I have lots of answers. Johnny gave, and all you guys have asked great questions, and the questions are way more important. So if you're listening to the show, what you should be listening to are the questions. The answer's fine, whatever, they're entertaining maybe, but you should really listen to the questions. Then you should think, you, you should walk away in a nice place like Johnny is and think. Get by yourself and think. Because if I ask most people, what do you think about X? The first thing out of their mouth is just something they heard from someone else. They're just parroting someone else. Because the problem with humans is we form beliefs the wrong way. We're given our beliefs by media, our parents, you know, our political parties, our teachers. And we never stop to think what we actually believe. And then we do worse. And social media makes it worse. We accept anything that supports what we believe and we reject anything that's against what we believe instead of seeking alternative views and having dialogue and debate in search of truth, which is what you should do every day. And so that dialogue and debate is frowned on today. Oh, you don't like each other because you're debating. What are you talking about? I love him. I, I, I want to debate. I want to seek truth. And so what, what, we, what we need are people who can ask good questions. And then we need to step away and say, okay, ask a question about what's the future of, of payment rails? 
well, what do I believe? Well, right now we're using 70-year-old technology, right? Fedwire and ACH, written on COBOL, Fortran. Like the Visa network, this is amazing. The Visa network runs on a mainframe computer on COBOL. Not making this shit up, okay? And I'm talking to the guy who says, why? He says, well, because it'd be really expensive to upgrade and it's kind of a moat because no one knows how to hack COBOL. So the only negative is when it breaks, we literally got to turn on a light at the Sunnyvale retirement home and get an 80 year old to come fix it because they're the only ones that know COBOL. I'm like, he's not, he's not lying because my 84 year old dad could still code COBOL. I can't, no one I know can. So ultimately I think Bitcoin has a, has a place. Ethereum is this really interesting thing. So Ethereum has a lot of users and a lot of things built on top of it. So it's this great toolkit Gas fees are a problem and, and there's some other stuff. I'm not a big fan of proof of stake, but, but here's the thing. Everyone's like, well, what should we do? Should we buy the rumor and sell the news? It's up 100% since June. I'm gonna guess that the merge is gonna be not as big an event. So there's a lot of people saying it's 10,000 by the end of the year. I'm like Gonzo, I, I don't see it. I think, I think it's tough to get there. now. Do I think it's going to go away tomorrow? No, because Paul Romer won the Nobel Prize four years ago for something called the Law of Increasing Returns. Law of Increasing Returns says this. It's not the best technology that wins. It's the technology that gets critical mass the fastest. And so Ethereum clearly has critical mass, but it has some flaws. So what people do, they created other L1s to compete with it. They have flaws too, like Solana. Look, we're early investors in Solana. Thank you, Kyle. We made a lot of money for investors. That's awesome. But here's the problem. It's not 100% accurate. If I'm gaming, fine. I got a little glitch you know, when I'm shooting somebody, no big deal. If I have accounting, not using it, no chance. Zero. Mark, and it's actually, it's perfect that you brought up Solana because that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Whenever we listen to these billionaires or hedge fund managers talk about the crypto market, it seems that Solana is always the third currency they reference. They go Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then Solana. When I actually believe there's much better blockchains that are existing and much better solutions out there, why do you think Solana has been giving a seemingly free pass by the Ethereum supporters? Uh, so again, great question. Great question. Money, right? It went up a lot. And a lot of people made money. And a lot of people, when they make money, think their opinion's really important. So they get out there and they tell people over and over how smart they are. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I just mean it's, it's just a fact, right? As people become wealthy, they're sought out as experts. Maybe even if they don't have expertise on something that they, they shouldn't talk about. But I think that that is what's happened here is it went up a lot. And, and look, it peaked. It peaked to the day of the Portugal party, right? And here's a, here's a rule. If anything, a company... Right? If a company names a stadium, short it, right? If a company spends a million dollars for an annual meeting, short it. If a protocol spends $2 million for an after party, short it. So, I mean, it peaked literally to the day of, of the big party in Portugal. And I, I still think there's potential here, but, but your point, I think Avox is a really interesting alternative and we probably like that a little bit better. Um, I think there are other things in the ecosystem. You know, people ask me about, you know, you know, Mooch has a big position in Algorand and people ask me about Algorand. I'm like, not many people in the world have a Nobel Prize winning 
you know, founder. So that, that's a good thing. But good tech isn't enough, right? You got to get the critical mass, um, like Paul Romer said, you know, VHS and Betamax. Betamax, better tech, VHS one. My, one of my favorite stories, you know, I grew up in Seattle. And I was joking, you know, many of my friends don't have to work because they were smart enough to go to work for Microsoft. I was not. I defend myself saying, Google the picture of the original Microsoft 11. You won't blame me. They were rough looking. Now they're all multi-billionaires and I'm not, so I should not make fun of them. But it was a rough looking crowd. And But one of, my funny thing, one of the funny stories about Microsoft is Microsoft, particularly DOS, is a shitty operating system. And shitty is a technical term. I mean, it's bad. And CPM was a better system. My first computer, K-Pro, the luggable that I took to you know, college with me, ran on CPM. Never crashed. Awesome. Husband and wife team, coders, founded. And the guys from IBM said, all right, computing's here to stay, personal computing. So we had the mainframe in 54, the microchip in 68. So you had smaller mainframes. And then you had the personal computer in 82. And so they get on a plane. They go out to Seattle. They meet Bill Gates. They're like, you're the coffee boy because he looked like he was 12. We're out. They go to California. They try to meet with the CPM couple. And the guy's like, sign my NDA. They're like, dude, we're, we're IBM. We don't do NDAs. Well, then I won't meet with you. They went back to Seattle, signed the deal, and the rest is history. Dumb, right? The dude was dumb to not just take the deal with IBM because it was the maker of the machine that was going to buy all your software. Whoa. I shouldn't talk. Man down. I'm, no, I'm, I'm just channeling, I'm channeling <laughs> Johnny's funny. Italianism, you know, I have no Italian in me. Um, so I apologize, uh, but I get excited about that story because it was a twist of fate that it became the most powerful operating system in the world. And today it's, it's really not, it's really Android. Android powers 80, eight zero percent of these, you know, Apple, we all talk about Apple, but 19% market share, you know, pretty small. It's really Android. And Next is blockchain. So the one thing Solana is doing that's cool is this Solana phone, because here's the thing, Mark Andreessen arguably created the conduit to the internet with the browser, okay? Apple created the conduit to the mobile net with the iPhone. The wallet is going to be the conduit to Web3. And, and the question about the metaverse and all this other stuff, incredible opportunity. I mean. Biggest wealth creation opportunity we're going to see in our lifetime is Web3 and the transition to the ownership economy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the wallet is the key. But I don't want to carry another thing. I mean, I got two phones. I don't want another thing. So as great as, and we're investors in Ledger, as much as I love Ledger, you know, they, they custody 15%, one five of all the crypto. Love them. But I need the nano in this, or I need the nano to do what this does. And so whoever creates, because you could, you could say, well, I want to do this. And I just learned this the other day that I guess the reason people don't want to use this is because of hacking. But Apple supposedly, and again, I'm, I'm not techie enough to really know, but I think there's something called an enclave, which you can hive off a piece if Apple will allow it. And then you could have a fully secure, like air-gapped system inside your phone. But Apple doesn't want to do that because I don't know why. Because maybe because they have a 
agreeing with the government to give them all the information. I don't know why, but for some reason they're not doing it. So someone who creates the functionality of the phone with the wallet as the core, that could be a, a trillion dollar company. So we're looking for that. That's it's huge. It's huge, Mark, because I think at the end of the day, when you think about this, what we've seen is a transition to big data. It's all about the data. And think about what blockchain brings. We know that, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, you know, you talk to your friends about blockchain, right? A lot of them, ah, it's crap. It's fake. Cryptocurrency's fake. It's it's a Ponzi scheme. It's not real. Listen, guys, I work in technology. I work for a large Fortune 100 company. I can tell you, we're always we have a we have a simple phrase. It's called cheaper, better. We're always looking to improve the bottom line. How do you do that? You do it with cheaper and better technologies. And we all know that the blockchain technology brings more efficiency, reduces human error. There are, there are solutions that are going to reduce costs to the bottom line. It's coming. There, there is no way around it. And the data that's going to be behind that, that to me is truly where the value in the why I think the metaverse is going to be tremendously huge. Think of all the data that companies like Meta and Sandbox and anybody else who gets in the metaverse, I think that's why everybody's scrambling. You're going to know where people go, how they're thinking, how their eyes move. It's just going to be crazy. Oh, no, it's unbelievable. And, and the oh. best part is it's permanent. It's immutable, right? I actually can go in and erase all my cookies. I do on occasion, although it's inconvenient. But but on occasion, just, just to fuck with people, I, I erase all my cookies. And But think about it. If, if you have a blockchain record of what I've done, that's immutable. I can't change that. How much more valuable to advertisers, to you know, people who, who want your data, how much more valuable that is? It's incredibly more valuable. And, and to the point of, of the creation of increasing amounts of data because of more touch points and more interactions, it's, it's really amazing. But that, the point, the, or the question Abs raised a, a bit ago about, are these other chains going to be viable ways of creating infrastructure that then could be the picks and shovels that we want to own. And I think that's, that's a really interesting, and look, investing, I don't believe is about picking one thing, putting all your eggs in the basket and watch the basket, right? There are some people that believe that and look, all great wealth, like super great wealth created that way. Concentration. All of it, right? Concentrated stock position, concentrated real estate position, what? But the thing you don't hear about because they don't get to write the story is the people who concentrated and lost it all. So I believe in diversification. And so rather than just own Bitcoin or just own Ethereum or just own Solana or just own Avalanche, I want to dabble in these other things, particularly the things as they become nascent and have a chance. And, you know, I mean, Hedera's on here. Hedera has some really interesting technological features. And again, I'm not a super techie, but I know enough to be dangerous. And, but it doesn't have critical mass. It doesn't have a following. And so um, you were we were talking before we came on about quant and, and what they're trying to do. And, and again, I think that is interesting because they know they don't have the the network, but they're trying to find a way to build that network quickly and get adoption, kind of the way serendipitously Microsoft got it by partnering with IBM. 
Hey, Mark, there's a lot of talk about Bitcoin versus it's not really the true Satoshi vision, but BSV is. Can you comment? Is there much you know about BSV? And our listeners are always, you know, chiming in. If BSV is really the true winner that's going to win here, but you only uh, hear about Bitcoin. What's your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, look, the longest chain wins, full stop, um, I believe, right? Um, and the whole idea of the peer-to-peer network, you know, the, the white paper and, and the vision, fine. But, but the problem, in my mind, of, of that original vision was it only works, in my mind, if you would have airdropped it. Everybody had to have it for it to be a medium of exchange. Right now, it's only store of value. It really isn't a medium exchange. People don't spend their Bitcoin because it's got too much of this, right? And and people don't like to talk about this, is Bitcoin kind of looks like the old system in terms of the concentration with the whales and, 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 and the rest. And people say, well, that'll fix itself over time. Well, kind of. I went to Bitcoin Miami again, and every person that got up on stage... I mean, other than me, but Sailor and a bunch of other people, what'd they say? Never sell your Bitcoin. Like, think about that, guys. If you never sell, how does that person in Bangladesh get some? Because for every buy, there has to be a sell. So someone has to sell. So if no one sells, then we don't grow. It's kind of like, it makes me crazy. You know, they had all these people cheering Celsius failure and BlockFi failure. And like, what the hell are you doing? Like, no, not your coins, not, not, not your keys, not your coins. Okay. You got all your money in your house? All of it? No. You have some in the bank? Yeah. Why? Not your keys, not your coins, not your cash, not your money. Well, I, you know, I got to pay my bills. I, 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 right. So yes, you can have some in cold storage and you can have some as the sovereign FU money. Fine. But in order to be a new financial system, it's not just about burying your assets in the backyard, right? If the only point of Bitcoin, which is this is why the Satoshi's vision people are like, no, 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 look at us, look at us. If Bitcoin is turned into this thing where only goal is to put it on a hard drive and bury it in the backyard, we don't need that. We have gold and gold is superior in that regard because it doesn't melt down. The hard drive doesn't get you know dirty and, and stop working. So how many of us have a floppy disk of stuff on it that you can't you know even stuff in your computer because it just doesn't work? So I, I look at it and say, ultimately what, what I want is for Satoshi's vision, this peer-to-peer um, network to function, but it doesn't have to function with Bitcoin itself. Right. So I love lightning and we're investors in strike and Jack and was what's great about it. Well, I can take money today. Like if I took money and I sent it to my mother-in-law in El Salvador, which I don't have my mother-in-law is in Tulsa. But if I had a mother-in-law in El Salvador, she would get 70 pesos instead of a hundred because the Rothschilds take some and Western union takes some and, and bank of America takes some. And, and so 30 cents of slippage. Okay, that sucks. If I sent her money across strike, she gets 100 pesos. 
because I take my dollar, I convert it to Bitcoin, they send it across the network and converts to pesos. Well, that's not sending Bitcoin. I didn't send her Bitcoin. I sent her fiat, but it used the Bitcoin chain as the rail. And so I don't think Bitcoin has to be the thing that we all trade with. No, it could be that. Um, but that's dozens, maybe maybe even 50 years away. But I, I like the idea of using rails. So it's a, it's a, it's a twisting answer, but um, Satoshi's vision, Bitcoin Cash, most of it is, is cults. It's kind of like the dog coins. And I know I'm going to piss people off, but I, I said that you know, this bear market would be over when the dog coins were zero. Because they, they add no value to the world. They're literally, they're not Ponzi schemes. Because if you say they're a Ponzi scheme, you don't understand what a Ponzi scheme is. But they are simply um, uh, a, a speculative tool, right? They're, they're not going to be used in any material way. Whereas Bitcoin could be the payment rail for the global monetary system. I think that could happen. Ethereum could have functionality in building out the infrastructure for other systems. Whereas, you know, Doge, right? You can buy your Tesla with it. No. Um, you can buy AMC movie tickets with it. I guess maybe you can do that. Maybe, but that's, that's a novelty. So I don't get it. Mark, one of the questions that we always talk about is why are these billionaires so willing to promote, for lack of a better term, we call them meme coins. Some people call them shit coins like Dogecoin and Shiba Inu. But I actually do want to ask you, we're getting a ton of questions. They're begging me to ask you about XRP. So that's exactly what I'm going to do next. We always talk about XRP in this channel because we understand the evolution of the banking system. Coach JV, who founded the 3T Warrior Academy, he came from banking and, and he taught us everything he knows. One of the things that's clear is that the SWIFT system doesn't actually exchange value, right? It's just an accounting system. It just yep. keeps track of where the value is going. These new protocols, which we call ISO 20022, are going to be running on a list of blockchains. And the most prominent one on that list is Ripple XRP. Back in 2018, they had over 380 central banks partnered with Ripple to start using their on-demand liquidity system. Now they've been sued by the SEC and that innovation has been severely hindered, but they're growing outside of the United States. What I want to know from you in particular is two things. One, are you bullish on XRP? We know you're not an advocate of centralized currencies, and many people debate that XRP is centralized. And number two, what do you think the impact will be long-term of the SEC suing Ripple, and what type of regulations do you think could come from that? Yeah, so it's it's a longer conversation that, that unfortunately we don't have enough time for, and happy to do it another time. Um, look, uh, I, I'm not an owner, um, and there's a reason for that, it, it, and it does have to do with centralization. So we launched a uh, an index uh, with our partner Bitwise a number of years ago, and and the basic idea, and, and it was an idea ahead of its time, which means it was a bad idea, um, and it will be a good idea at some point. But what we what everyone tried to do in this cycle was recreate the traditional markets that are 70 and 80 years in. And what I mean by that is people said, oh, let's have an index of crypto. Well, no, it took 70 years for indexing to catch on. Indexing isn't the be all end all. In fact, capitalization weighting is illogical 
other than in a liquidity fed environment because you're buying more of the most expensive and selling what's cheap. That's antithetical to value investing, which is what I am at my core. So, but, you know, we went along with it and we did it. And, and one of the, the criteria of the S&P 500 is you have to be a certain size and you have to be uh, enough free float. You can't be centralized or it can't be centrally controlled. And so that's why Tesla wasn't in the S&P for a long time because it was owned too much by Elon, even though it hit all the other criteria. So we own the top 10 crypto minus anything that has more than 50% held by one entity. So that got Stellar and XRP out. That wasn't me pissing on either one of those. It was just, that was what we used as the rule. And, and we, and we didn't, we didn't do it. So, so I don't own XRP. I, I have, I have great admiration for the group and the team and what their goal is approaching this massive infrastructure system that is antiquated and to your point doesn't you know doesn't do the things that we we would like it to do in a new financial system so I applaud that I I, I agree with you that that the lawsuit doesn't help uh, because people don't like lawsuits and and they don't like regulators poking around so I but here here's the thing we're in the then they fight you stage and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And if you come at the king, you better not miss. And I think that's a little bit what's happened with XRP here is Bitcoin and the others kind of came at the banks in a backdoor way where they said, oh, you know, BlockFi, move your money out of the bank, turn it into a stable coin, and we'll pay you 6% interest instead of zero. 5 million does that, 10 million does it, 5 billion does it, 20 billion, whoa, whoa, timeout. 20, 20 billion is real money. Now we're going to go through the New Jersey state regulator to get you in trouble, to have you settle with the SEC and, and all that stuff. We know that story. If you go with the big dogs, I think the regulators are like, hey, back off right? Yeah. We're good. We don't, we don't want a better solution, even though they should. And so like I said, it's a longer conversation. I have admiration for the supporters. I, I need to be better informed. I need to actually spend more time with you guys learning and stop talking and, uh, and listen. We would love um, that. <laughs> because, because look, if I'm talking, I'm not learning anything, right? We have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? All that good stuff. Um, but I would like to learn more and, and it's something that, that I, I, I honestly haven't spent the time mostly because there are so many hours in a day, we made a decision rightly or wrongly to, to not spend time on XRP and, and stellar. If that's a good decision or bad decision, I won't, I won't comment, but, but that, that's the decision we made. Mark, so I know you only got a couple of minutes left, but I do want to fire some quick XRP stuff at you. So everybody talks about who's on their advisor, their board of directors, and those types of connections. Pull out a $100 bill right now, and if you look at right here, that signature right there is Rosie Rios. Rosie Rios is now on the board of directors for Ripple. She was the former U.S. Treasurer of the United States. They've got thousands, not thousands, they've got plenty of connections when it comes to the Fed. And here's another one, right? Formal Ripple advisor Michael Barr will now supervise the Federal Reserve we see the connections all over the place. And if you do join us again, I would love to bring up a chart 
breaking down all the connections because it because there is hundreds. There's literally dozens and dozens of these employees. No, no, no. I would enjoy that. And and said, I I need to learn more because you know just, I just haven't spent the time. And here's the interesting thing. You know, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, and it was about Bitcoin, but it applies to Ripple or anything else. Every investor I know that I respect started skeptical of crypto broadly, of Bitcoin specifically. And then they did the work. And then they became a believer and a supporter. Every single one. There's only one guy, and I actually don't respect him very much. I shouldn't say that. Um, who, who just wouldn't do the work. He just wouldn't do the work. And so he's out there saying, no, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And even wrote a book trying to say it's bad. I'm like, you just got to do the work. And so to dismiss something out of hand, because you don't like the founder or you don't like the, the mantra or whatever, which happens all the time in this space is wrong. You got to do the work. So, so I will, I will uh, commit to do the work and uh, we'll spend some more time and you guys can help me. That's amazing, Mark. If we can help you with anything, that would be an honor. But we do have a comment from one of our listeners who says, what are the chances that Mark becomes a 3T warrior? Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you consider yourself a member of our group? Uh, look, I, I will I will be an informal member. An on, I'll be an honorary member. Look, nice. I said, I, I was, I was, so I was um, intimidated, you know, coming on with a guy named Abs, because I, again, I don't have any. And, <laughs> and I was intimidated because Johnny kept calling me the great one. And look, I have, you know, I am, I'm just not, I am, I'm not special. I am, I'm a, I'm a good normal guy uh, who has strong opinions and, and likes to, to do this stuff. So uh, I, I will, I will accept the honorary appointment. I look, I'm open to good ideas. That that's what I do for a living. I try yep. to find good ideas. I say I have the best job in the world for the last 30 years. I got paid to talk to the smartest people in the world yep. and I've met them all. Right. Soros, Robertson, Tudor, you name it. I've met with them. I've invested with them. And that's not braggadocio. That's just, I was lucky. Mark, can I, I ask you, I, have you met with Kathy Woods before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, Kathy. Truth be told, innovation as an asset class is my term, mine. I, I was talking about that 15 years ago. Truth be told, Kathy and I talked about merging at one point, Morgan Creek and, and her nascent company, which was just getting started. And look, she's crushed it. And she didn't need me, but, but I, I have huge admiration and respect. And here's the thing. Innovation as an asset class is here to stay. Yep. Right? Cap weighting is prone to booms and busts. And you know, we run a little thing. We actually were shutting it down because no one cares. But we had a little vehicle, a little ETF um, that basically did the same thing as ARC, but it did it equal weight instead of uh, uh, cap weight. And it outperformed. It was still down 30% instead of down 60 and people didn't care. And, and I'm not as famous as she is. So, um, but I, I, look, I, Kathy and her team are amazing. They're visionary. They see around corners. They do, they do the work. If you've ever read any of their research, it's amazing. And, um, in, in this business, the difference between the pretenders and the contenders is really clear. Who does the work? And, um, you know, I will leave you with that thought. Uh, again, pleased to be an honorary member of the team and uh, appreciate you having me on.
Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. And typically we close it off by saying thank you to each one of our special guests, but we know that you have to go. And I do want to say it was an honor and a privilege to not only hear you talk for this long, but to really engage in these conversations. It's a really unique opportunity for me and for every single one of our listeners, because not only did you say a lot of things, this was totally unscripted, as you know, for all of our listeners, Mark is just like-minded. We didn't communicate any of these ideas behind the scenes. We briefly ran through the articles and you just came right off the top. So I just want to give you a chance to close it out, maybe tell people where they can find you. And again, thank you for joining us today. No, easy to find. I mean, I, I stink at email, so don't do that. But uh, at Mark Yusko on Twitter, I actually am decent with DMs, believe it or not. Um, so that's an easy way to find me. You know, morgancreekcapcap.com is our website. And uh, I'm, I'm all over, you know, podcasts and, and uh, that kind of stuff. So if you're, if you're bored, uh, there's plenty of material out there. Uh, once a month, we do something called Around the World with Yusko. Uh, we do presentations. There's a we have a YouTube channel called Around the World with Yusko, and there's some historical presentations uh, there as well. But uh, pretty easy to to track me out. Not a lot of Yuskos in the world, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, well, Margaret, it was awesome to have you on the show. We'd love to be able to bring you back on again, and obviously have more of a, a conversation and kind of help you know, teach you as well as you talked about. So. Uh, Hopefully you right. uh, I'm only coming back if you take me water skiing on that lake. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely kneeboarding too, tubing, whatever you want. We got it all. We I, do it all. I, I'm, a, I'm a skier more than anything, but uh I'm I'm digging that lake. So absolutely y'all be good. Enjoy Thanks, the Mark. Labor Day weekend and uh we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Mark. Have an amazing day. Thanks, Mark. All right, see ya. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Awesome, guys. Johnny Crypto, I know you had some comments for our listeners, so feel free to take the floor, and I'll get everything up behind the scenes. Yeah, so hopefully you guys uh, got, a, got, got a, get a chance to take a look at the great what I call the great one. As you can see, hopefully you all see now why we call him the great one. I mean, he's just loaded with a ton of knowledge and information, and what we try to do on this show is bring you guys uh, as much information as possible to help uh, put yourselves in the best position to free yourselves and create generational wealth. As you know, and also we're trying to do that not only by bringing you good guests, but also by good tools. And we talked to you yesterday about Merlin, another tool to be able to help yourself to make sure you have an exit strategy. So important you do that. So Abs, if you're ready, let's roll that beautiful videotape. Awesome. So we're going to cue that video and I'm going to get started showing you guys something fantastic. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, you're not alone. And it's probably because you didn't have an exit strategy. The good news is that it doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. First, it brings all your coins into one place from many exchanges and wallets so you can simply see all of your assets across one screen. Next, you can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your da daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin's smart algorithm lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. So go to at GetMerlinCrypto on Twitter. That's at GetMerlinCrypto and sign up today for our 30-day free trial so you can get whitelisted and receive email notifications when this product is launched in the fall. Don't wait and miss out on this new and innovative crypto app. Sign up today to get on Merlin's whitelist. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. And if you're looking for that, the Kickstarter is listed down below. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to kick it back to you, and then we'll close out this episode. Yeah, guys. So at the end of the day, if you're looking for an innovative product and you don't want to get wrecked, try it out. There's going to be a free 30-day trial notice. Uh, so sign up with the link below. 
and make sure you've got the best tools in your pocket so you can put yourself in the best. As Belichick says, right, put yourself in the best position to win. And that's what we're, that's what we're, there you go, guys. That's what we're trying to do, folks. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. And Johnny, if I could just close this out here, one of the things that's so exciting about talking to somebody like Yusko is he actually criticized people who weren't exiting the market, right? A lot of these major head fund investors and billionaires, they tell you to buy these assets and sit on them for years at a time. Well, Mark Yusko does not share that sentiment. And we got a great example of that today. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed this discussion. We're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Johnny. Another amazing episode, hopefully one for the history books. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Love you guys. Great show. Love you, Gonzo.